Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by WordSprint, helping you stay connected with your tribe. Hi, this is Paul Lemberg, and I want to welcome you to Orchestrating Success with Hugh Ballou. This podcast is all about ways to redefine leadership as a pathway to increasing your business or nonprofit income. Now, here's Hugh with today's session. This is Hugh Ballou, and today's session is speaking to all of us who have too much to do. And I'm, if it doesn't apply to you, hang up right now. Turn it off. If you have too much to do, not enough time to do it all, you're not making enough money, you think you can't hire people. Well, I found this guy in Orlando, Florida. He's been hiding. So I'm exposing him to the world. His name is Nathan. And um, he's got a brilliant plan to help people like me. And I've already started looking at his, I've signed up, ready to go with it. And I've talked to so many people who said, this guy has it together that I thought it would be good to share his expertise with the world. So we're converting our passion to profit in this whole series. And part of orchestrating success is leaders understanding what to take off our plate. We can do it all. We shouldn't do it all. Sometimes you can't do it all. (laughs) You can't do it all. That was Nathan (laughs) in the background. So Nathan, let's get you in this conversation. We're talking about, um, how to leverage time, and you have a company called Free Up, which is a great name. Free up your time. Free up your workload. I'm going to throw it to you, and instead of me giving these, this glowing biography of you, I would rather you cut to the chase. What's the most important thing that people need to know about you? Why are you qualified to talk on this topic of outsourcing temporary personnel, part-time personnel? Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited. So I've been selling online for over eight years and I've hired hundreds of remote workers to help me do it. I started my first uh, multi-million dollar business when I was in college. I hired my first employee before I could legally drink. So I've been hiring people for a long time, almost nine years. And through that, I've made some amazing hires. People like my business partner, Connor, who was one of my first hires. He's been working with me for over eight years. And I've also made some terrible hires, people that I fired right away or kept on too long or who wasted my time. And throughout the process, I became really frustrated because I had to hire and I was hiring, but it took me years to figure out this great process of getting good people into my system. People are going to help me help free up my time and really save me money on the long term because they wouldn't quit and turnover is expensive. And once I developed this process, then I realized that I I had built this great process, but I was spending all my time inside the process instead of focusing on my business. So I created FreeUp to give a way that for other people to get access to this great vetting process, this great way of finding workers that not only had the skills, but had the right attitude and communicate at a high level and give them access to these workers quickly to help them free up their time like I've been able to do. That's awesome. So 
you made how much money before you could drink? <laughs> um, I was running a multi-million dollar Amazon business before I was 21. Um, it really boomed when I was like 21 to 25. Um, I still run it. It does between um, five and seven million dollars a year um, consistently. That's amazing. And so you took your expertise. Uh, you learned in the school of hard knocks, did you? Yeah, I mean, I went to school for being an entrepreneur. I was actually one of the first people to have entrepreneurs my major the first time they were offering it at my college. And I, I remember they had all the business school teachers in an auditorium, like talking about accounting and finance and economics. And then the person for entrepreneurship went up and she was like, if you want financial freedom, the only way to do it is to be an entrepreneur. And then she just walked off the stage. And that just sunk with me in my head. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to own my own business. Like, let's go for it. And it was kind of cool. I was running my own business in college while also taking classes on how to do it. So I was able to apply it in real time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so my podcasts are interviews with experts who have a niche and how can we share things that with the audience, we have a lot of people listening to this podcast and it's not a sales pitch. Um, I do want to declare up front that I'm a, I'm a, I'm an affiliate for free up. I'm a customer. I'm an affiliate. I'm becoming a, a fan. I'm president of the fan club for Nathan, Nathan Hirsch. So I um, wanted to declare that I'm affiliate. We will offer a link. Um, people can go directly to free up, but I'm offer a link and uh, would highly recommend them at least looking at your service. But, but this is to help people think about their skill set. And so Nathan, I've been working with entrepreneurs for 31 plus years. And there's some common denominators. One, leaders get stuck because they want to do it all and they can't, like you pointed out, they can't do it all. We can do anything we want to do. We can't do everything we want to do. And part of being a transformational leader is getting things off of your plate that other people can do. And we're all afraid to do that. So the, the dominant theme with people is we, we, we're facing burnout because we're doing too much. And the companion to that is that others in our, on our teams aren't doing enough. We don't have them for the first place. And if we do, we haven't learned to, to uh, empower them. And maybe we don't have the right people and the right seat on the right bus. And then the third result is we're not making enough revenue. We think we can't spend money, but really it's an investment in making money. So what is the top mistake you made and you want other people not to make when you're hiring somebody to do a job? What's the top mistake? Sure. So when I was in college, I had this brilliant, unbrilliant plan that I was going to create the, a manager for the day position. And I created this really long list of everything that the manager should do to, hey, first thing you do, clear out customer emails. Second, make phone calls. Third, place orders. Fourth, do inventory. Five, do pricing. Whatever it is, it's a long list. It was about eight hours worth of work. And so I would spend weeks to months training someone to do this entire list. And yes, they'd become good at it. And then I would get that freedom and I could work on expanding the company or get some of my college life back. Um, but if that person quit, which happened, all of a sudden, all that training was just out the door. And I had trained one person to do everything. I wasn't diverse. And it just was a huge nightmare. So after going through that a few times and realizing that college kids weren't reliable and that it wasn't actually helping me and I was just spending too much time investing into them, 
I just divided up all the tasks to make them as simple as possible. This is how you do emails. This is how you do inventory. Um, and, and there were some high-level position skills, too, where you bring an expert in and have them do what they're good at. But it was very spread out and divided. And people quit. People, And we're good at reducing turnover now. We're not, we weren't as good back then. Um, but when it happened, it wasn't the end of the world. We could recover within a week. We could get someone else to do it. We could even create backups. So there were two customer service people. So if one person needed a day off, that, that was getting covered. And I see a lot of business owners making this decision. If you own a bakery, they hire someone to bake the cakes and uh, be the cashier and do the bookkeeping at the end of every month instead of dividing it up between people so that you're protected as a business owner. Well, I find that even in companies that are larger, uh, five to 50 million, say the, what we call a mid cap corp company that the, the hiring process is okay. It's not stunning. And, and so, uh, what, what is the problem that we set up from the beginning with us as the leader, not being able to let go or not being able to delegate? Is that a problem that you see happening a lot? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you get people that have never hired before, so they're scared just because they've never done it. And then you get the people that have hired, and they've just made some bad hires. So now they're like, all right, that wasted my time and money. I'm never going to do it again. And I mean, it's just a mentality you have to get out of. Your ceiling is somewhere. If you don't hire, you can't get past that. On a, on a personal level, I mean, we both know that stress kills, and there's nothing more stressful than doing everything yourself consistently seven days a week for 30 years and there's a lot of business owners that get into that trap. So you really have to hire and it really comes back to finding people that go beyond the skill set. Yes, you can hire someone with five to 10 years of customer service experience, but do they have the right attitude? Are they workaholics? Are they passionate? Do they care about more than the paycheck? Do they stress communication? Are they the kind of person that's just not going to show up on time with no notice? I mean, things like that not only stress you out, it costs you money, it costs you productivity. And a lot of people, they focus on the skills. I need a Facebook marketing ad expert, but they don't look at the whole picture of who they're hiring as a person. We're, we're talking to Nathan from Free Up today. And um, I, I was really impressed when I met him recently and he had been recommended to me from some other colleagues who were um, actually they do they do background checks on people <laughs> and so if they had recommended you I didn't really need to do a background check because they had already done it um, so so part of what this this whole theme is with orchestrating success is about equipping leaders and it's it's focused on entrepreneurs. I find that people that are running even uh, five to $50 million companies with that much in revenue, if they have an entrepreneurial focus and they install that in their culture, that it's going to be much more successful if we convert people from thinking they're punching a time clock to being a part of building out the future of the organization. Now, can we do that if we hire like from your company or somewhere? Can we do that with a part-time person that we hire that's outsourcing? Absolutely. I mean, I have a 20-person team. Not only are half of them outsourced, but they're all remote. And I would put our company culture against anyone in the world. I mean, people love being there. They race to get to work. They care about the company. They care about the results of the company. We have great productive meetings. And you can do that. Um, the, the reason that people fail is because they do the manager stuff without the leadership stuff. 
And it's pretty easy to be a manager if you're on top of if you're on top of a business and you know what you're doing. You can manage people. You can tell people what to do. You can talk down to them. You can give people criticism and be direct. And and that's what I was like my first three years of being in business. And it was really my business partner Connor being like, hey, like even if you don't care about the personal side, even if you don't care about people's feelings and emotions and you just care about the numbers, it's a good business decision to learn how to become a leader and learn how to make people respect you and learn how to motivate people. And that's really what's key. I mean, it goes beyond treating people well. It's how to get the most out of them and making them care about the end goal, the mission, the vision, and all that stuff as you go forward and having it really trickle down from the top. That you don't know how spot on that is what I've been teaching all these years. And you and I haven't talked about that paradigm. I just had an <clears throat> intuitive sense as we were beginning to talk. Let me test out Hugh Ballou's four pillars for hiring people and see what uh, an expert thinks about this. Uh, as I help people build and, and being a leader and being a manager are so different. And I really like the way that you put that, you define that, but a leadership skill is to be able to go through the right steps. Now, in my world, everything comes from the strategy. Where do we want to be and how are we going to get there? So it's it's about a sequential step on how to get from here to there. Uh, but within that strategy, we identify the competencies. So let me let me throw out Hugh Ballou's four steps and let you come back at me. I'm taking a huge risk that you might not agree with me, but <laughs> I'm going to lay them out there. So let me lay out the four, and then we'll take them one by one. Is that Does that work for you? Sounds great. So one is competency. Two is role and responsibility. Three is culture fit. And four is performance expectations. So let me take them one by one. Competency. We want to hire somebody that's actually competent. So we're looking in the marketplace to hire somebody or in a company like yours that's, that's a, an outsourcing. How do we check the competency piece? Yeah, so that's the million dollar question, right? How do you actually know that someone's talented? How do you hire a Facebook ad expert if you don't know Facebook ads yourself? And and that's something that's cool that FreeUp brings to the table because when I was hiring for my Amazon business, if it's something I didn't know, it was hard for me to recruit and I could look at reviews, but as we both know, reviews don't always tell the full picture. Um, so that's something that we're able to bring experts in now that we kind of have this core group of people and really figure out um, what people what talent level people are actually at. The other way we go about it, and this is kind of like a hack that I have, um, is to ask people honestly to rank their own skills. And you're almost setting them up to point out red flags and setting them up for failure with this because if someone claims to be a digital marketing expert and you're like, all right, digital marketing, let's talk about Facebook ads and Google ads rank me on both of them. If they rank themselves 10 out of 10 and they each have six months and they have six months of experience, kind of a red flag. If they rank themselves a five out of 10 and they have 10 years of experience, also a red flag. Um, it also has to do with what their past employers have said, um, doing those reference checks, seeing what companies they work for, how long they stayed there, um, showing results because results are, is everything. Having them provide, hey, what kind of spend did you do? What kind of results did you have off that? Hey, are you up to date on the latest strategies? Tell me about them. Tell me about how Facebook has changed their algorithm. So really setting them up to point out flags and make them obvious for you before you actually bring in an expert to make sure that this is the kind of person that you can add to your team. Great. And I'd like to point out my four steps are all defined in our strategic plan. 
which uh, for charities I call a solution map for a company, I call it a strategic plan. So we, we define where we want to go, but we have to have the competencies that we need on our team. So that's number one. Thank you. Number two is role and responsibility. I'm not a fan of the job description, which is a box and a list of tasks. I'm, I'm more a fan of the position description, which is the competency and then role and responsibility. For instance, uh, I want to hire somebody that's a marketing person and their role would be to, and, and responsibility would be to create and implement marketing strategies that will increase our revenue by 25% at, at an increase in bottom line profit. So speak to this second one, role and responsibility. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's a little different for me because I'm on both the worker end and the client end. I'm kind of setting up the workers to to be honest about their skill set and honest what they can do, um, in ter- even in terms of like how many hours a week they can work and, and what jobs they can do comfortably and what jobs they need to be trained on. Um, but then when you're dealing with the clients, setting those those job descriptions up so they're not just like, hey, here's a, here's everything you need to be able to do and get it more strategic. So it's like, hey, like these are the goals of this week. This is what needs to get done at the beginning of your shift, at the end of the shift. So it's much more broken down and not just a piece of paper that someone reads and is like, I can do this. You have to get deeper involved. You have to make sure that the person's actually a right fit for everything and that there's some plan in place for the job to evolve going forward. Love it. Love it. My third pillar is um, culture fit. We hire people who don't fit our culture because we like them or we think they have the secret skill that's going to make a difference. But when we get them in, they're actually disruptive because they have a whole different set of principles and values in how they see the world. And we've defined in our strategy, we've defined the core values, which become useless once we write them and we turn them into guiding principles. How do we apply those guiding principles in decision-making, which then defines our culture. So you spoke about your company cultures. So what's your advice for others who are hiring to make sure that they have a culture fit? Cause you've worked this out. It sounds like. It's funny because whenever I'm like, Hey, let's hire for your culture. You really have to take a step back and figure out what your culture is. I mean, what your company culture is might be totally different than mine. And if we're both recruiting the same people, we should be looking for different things. A Facebook ad expert that works for you shouldn't be the same that works for me if they have this different culture. So the culture that I promote, is one of honesty and feedback. I don't want anyone to look at me as the boss, as someone they can't talk to. I want brutal feedback at all time. If I'm doing something great, if I'm doing something poorly, if you have improvements for my website, for my HR process, like I want to hear it on the client side and the worker side. I always want that. Um, we also encourage people to be responsible for their goals um, and their expectations and not tell us that they'll do things that they, if they're not going to get done and really take responsibility. But we also have a really good time doing it. We'll joke around there. There is that startup mentality where it's not 100% serious. At the end of the day, we get stuff done and that doesn't work for every business. But I'll tell you, we have a network of over 500 plus workers. They're all so similar because we only let people in our network that have the exact same culture, the exact same mindset, the exact same attitude. They care. They're passionate. They want to get feedback. They want to be part of something growing. Um, they don't get offended if you tell them some kind of criticism and point them right in the, in the right direction. And because of that, we rarely have issues. We rarely have turnover. It saves us a lot of money and it saves us a lot of time. And it just creates an awesome, fun work environment for me to wake up to every morning. So if you're able to Eliminate people that are going to be disruptive, like you said, that are going to be that bad apple to bring people down because it only takes one of them. Um, You can have so much success in your company and really make it a better place to work, which as a whole recruits more people and attracts more people 
and, le- and lessens the amount of people that walk out the door. We don't realize, and you've referred to it three times in this, this call, which lets me know that it's significant. Turnover is way more expensive than we think it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really is. It, it, it destroys companies. I mean, to be honest, like if you invest two months into a training to someone and they quit, let's think about how long it just takes you to find the right person. Hopefully they work out and then you have to put two months into training. It might even take longer if they're not as competent, not to mention the money you already paid for the last guy and you're paying for it twice. I mean, that's a lot of time, energy and money. And if you're a startup, you might not be able to afford it. And then there's another side of it. What if they walk away in the middle of the project? What if they're running Facebook ads? And I know I keep saying Facebook ads. I don't know why. I think it's because you asked for that skill set. Um, and they just leave in the middle while ads are running. What are you going to do in the meantime? Who's going to manage that? Who's going to make sure you're not just throwing money out the door? So turnover can lead to so many issues in businesses that you don't realize that it's in your best interest to, before you hire, set up your culture, set up like your vision and your strategic planning. Make sure you're finding the right people and make sure you take care of them once they're in so they don't walk out the door. Ah, love it. Love it. I'm totally in sync with you. My fourth pillar here is expectations. Um, We met at CEO space and were introduced before that actually. And one of my colleagues who was doing a keynote there years ago said that he hired a marketing person for his business. And it was a person he already knew was a friend. Mm, There's a flag there. And then after 30 days, it goes down the hall to his office says, Hey, I don't see any progress on marketing. Guy says, I'm working on it, working on it. I says, okay. So 60 days, walks down the hall. I don't see any progress. I'm working on it, working on it. 90 days, 120 days, you know, every month going down, I'm working on it, working on it. And he says, this isn't working out, but I can't fire him because he's my friend. And he's got a family. So we have all this stuff going on. Finally, after one year, he had to come to terms with it. And the guy was actually relieved because he knew he wasn't producing. So when I tell that story, I tell to leaders, I ask them who set up the problem. And it's us, the leader, that set up the problem. Hence, my fourth pillar is performance expectations, defining what we want accomplished in what period of time. So as a company that, as a person that runs a company, you, that delivers results to people, this is probably an important paradigm, but as as we hire people as leaders and we don't set up the benchmarks of ex- and expectations, we're actually setting up conflict. So speak to that fourth pillar of the expectations document. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the friend thing. So it took me firing five or six friends before I was like, all right, no more hiring friends. And at the beginning, it, it ruined some relationships. Fortunately, um, towards the end of it, I was a more professional and more mature business owner, so I was able to salvage those. But it did lead to a lot of problems. And half the battle, and I, I know some clients of mine that do hire friends, and they have a lot of success, and it's because of what you said. They lay out the expectations and the guidelines, and they, they divide up the personal and the business hey, we can have a beer on weekends, but when you walk in my office, when you're on my clock, this is what I expect of you. And it's the same thing that I expect of everyone else. You have your own goals, you have your own goal expectations. And if it doesn't work out, if you're not meeting them, then we're gonna part ways and I'm gonna get someone else that is because I care a lot about my business and all that stuff. So, I mean, just setting that up front is so key. I have so many clients too that will hire a worker and three weeks later, they're like, you know what, I'm really not, I'm not satisfied. And I, I kind of go over them like, all right, like what was the goals? What was the expectations? They're like, I didn't really have any. Like I just thought like work was going to get done. And I was like, all right, so let's do this. Let me get you someone else before we even get them started. And I'll give you some free hours to work with them. 
let's just lay it all out. So you know what you want, you figure out where you're gonna go in the next few weeks, and I promise you, you're gonna have a much better result. And every time they do, because they actually know what they're working towards, and the worker is more motivated and has a clue too, because a lot of times they're in the gray area, because what your expectations are might be different than mine, and it might be different than three other clients they worked for in the past. So you really have to figure out a way to explain to them what you want and how to go about it your way. And I even created a document called the client expectations document that I give out for free to my clients to, to really lay it all out there. So instead of having that onboarding process, you can hand them a piece of paper and be like, read this, ask me any questions. Let's meet real quick and get started. I love it. I just want to point out to people, we didn't set that up. It was the first time you and I had this discussion. We, we talked a little bit last week, but not in this much depth. But I, I am, uh, in my advanced years, I've learned to assess people pretty quickly. So what would you say to any leaders, whether they're pre-startup, startup, early stage, or in a mature company, and what advice would you have for leaders so they would be a better customer? Because uh, you could provide a stellar employee and the leader could mess it all up. So what would you say to leaders that they need to do to equip themselves to fully access the ability of a new employee, regardless if it's from you or not? What do we need to do to make ourselves better at, uh, at empowering that gifted worker that we want to have on our team? Sure. So hiring is overwhelming, right? There's so many stages. You have to recruit them and interview them and train them and motivate them and keep them happy and look, keep turnover down and have Monday morning meetings and all that stuff. So before you do any of that, take a step back and figure out what you want. There's two ways to go about hiring. You either have these processes and systems that you've been doing over and over again. And I have a rule that I never do anything for more than three months before I pass it over to someone else once I perfect it. It might be customer service emails you do. It might be the same data entry job that you've been doing over and over because you haven't got, given it to someone else and take it off your plate. Identify those things. Make a list of all the things you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, and then start taking those, start figuring out ways that you can take it off your plate. What does your ideal worker look like that can that can take it off. So for example, I worked with a bigger company and they were doing these, these inventory reports. Once a day, they were paying full-time employees $60,000 a year ish to go through five different marketplaces they were still on and just keep track of oh, this product is still up. This price changed. And so what I did is they, I went in, they hired some workers for six bucks an hour while they were sleeping between three and 5 a.m. This team of three workers would just create this report. And when they walked in the door, that report was on their desk ready to go. And it just freed up their time. And so that's one way to hire. The other way to hire is identify everything you're not good at. What are your core competencies? And this is tough. A lot of business owners think that they're good at everything when they're really not. And um, one of the best, most productive meetings that I've ever had um, is my business partner, Connor, and I were sitting on our patio, and we found this um, this way, I don't even know what it was. It wasn't a test. It was some kind of activity that we found online, and we, it was basically, we would look at each other and be like, you suck at this, and he would go back and be like, you're not good at this, but you are good at this, and so we just divided up, hey, here's a list of things that we're good at. Here's a list of things we're bad at. Let's stop stepping on each other's toads toes and divide and conquer. And then once you figure out what you're not good at and where the holes are in your company, then you can identify, hey, I need an expert in this to come in. I need to add a content writer to my team. And then you really know what you're looking for. And then you can do the next step, which is figuring out the expectations and what your perfect worker looks like. That 
is so spot on. Um, wow. So what do you say to leaders when they, you tell them to get to that level of clarity? Because really, you can't do your work unless they have that level of clarity. Then they could take full advantage of, of the employee. What do you say to leaders when they say, well, I don't have time to do that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's tough because it's not really my job to go into your company and shake everything up and be like, do this this way, because there is more than one way to, uh, to skin a cat. There's also, um, there's different lifestyles that people want to live. Some people want to free up their time so they can spend more time with their family and friends. Other people want more hours in the day to focus on sales and marketing. Other people truly like what they're doing. If they, if they own a bakery, they like interacting with the customers. They don't want to give that, that thing away. So really, you have to figure out what's important for you long-term. Is it sustainable for you to work seven days a week for the next 30 years? Do you want to work 12-hour days or do you want to work eight-hour days? Do you want to answer customer service emails for the rest of your life or should that time be spent on some other part of your business? And until you come to terms with that and realize that hiring is the only way out of that and the only way to make change in your business, there really isn't that much I can do. I, I can give you my past experience, my other clients' past experience, but you really have to come to grips with that on your own and figure out what you want in life, what you want with your business. Do you ever want to open up a second business? Because if you're stuck in the first one, that's not happening. So um, you really have to identify that before I can even get involved and help you. Yeah, yeah. It's, we want other people to do everything when there are some things that we absolutely have to do, when we, we talked earlier in this interview about taking things off our plate, which is a good decision for leaders. It's a transformational leader, first and foremost, has a clear vision and they define what they can take off their plate. And then we elevate the performance um, on, of people on our teams. And you might remember I've been a musical conductor for 40 years. Actually, 10 years ago, I was, <laughs> I was a conductor for 40 years, but it's, it's about getting the best players and then creating a system, which is a rehearsal and then giving them the plan, which is the music and then guiding them as an influencer, not, not playing the instruments. And all too often we have people play the instruments, but we also, you're, you're inviting us to think through our end results. And when a conductor steps on that podium, we know the results that we want. We've, we're fully prepared to move that direction. And, and um, I don't see leaders doing it that much. And so what you've just raised the bar of, of saying, don't give me excuses. <laughs> give, me, give me some concrete things that I can work with. Did I hear you, did I hear you right? Yeah, it's, it's close. I mean, I, I sat with uh, Harry Lay over at CEO Space when I was there with you, and every meal table, people would be like, Harry, what do I do with my business? And he would just go right back at them, what do you want out of your business? And until I have that information, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, if you're trying to build that lifestyle business, if you're trying to open up a second company, if you're trying to get funding, if you're trying to free up your time to focus on marketing or cold call more clients or whatever it is, like I need to know that information information before I can begin to help you. And once I know that, I mean, you've done strategy for years. Um, I help people hire, like we can get involved and figure out the perfect plan for you, but we need that information first. Yes. Yes. We can't sidestep our responsibility. The buck stops here. Um, Leah says, hi, Leah's in, um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, Manuel is out in uh, New Mexico, has a garage door company. Leah's working with special needs children. Um, we've had um, a lot of likes on Facebook. We're 
This podcast is being recorded live to a live audience on Facebook. Uh, so we don't have any particular questions, but we have lots of affirmations and likes to what you're saying. And um, it's really obvious uh, to me and to others that are listening to this that this is a space that you know really well, and I'm not going to be deceived by your youth. You've, you've got some wisdom that, that's past your years, your, your geographic, your chronological year, excuse me. So as we're kind of doing the last part of this interview, um, are there some topics that we didn't cover that you could provide some helpful information? The biggest problem I see with leaders is how to hire and how to empower and how to get out of the way. Do you see others? Yeah. So every little detail that you do as a leader is watched by someone. And so many people forget this. I have lost people because I sent out an email to them that they were offended by. This is back when I was younger that I didn't mean to be offensive and I was writing it quickly and it cost me a lot of time and a lot of money to fix it. You never know how things are going to be interpreted, especially if you're hiring people from around the world for the first time. You don't understand their cultures and their emotional beings and what's going on in their personal life. Everything is watched by someone, especially in this day and age. I mean, I could go on a podcast and say something that could accidentally offend someone. So if I'm writing the email or I get 3,000 Skype messages a day and I challenge anyone to be faster on Skype than me and I'm responding to them and I'm responding to them quickly, I still need to be careful in what I'm saying and act like a leader at all times. And there are times when it's tough. I mean, you get frustrated over someone, they mess up and as a business owner, all you want to do is just scream at them, right? But it's not necessarily a good business decision and the best leaders, they take a step back and they figure out again, how do I get what I want? What is the result that I want here? Do I want this worker to go back to the client and fix it? Do I want this person to walk out right now? What am I looking to do? And structure their words and structure the way that you talk around what you want. And you'll have a, bit, a lot of success as a leader. And the other side of it is just treating people well in general. So many people are used to just being like, here's a project, do it. Here's a project, do it. And the worker is not motivated. They might do it. But the second a higher paying job comes around, they're out the door. I have a lot of workers now that are getting other job offers and they're not even going to think about leaving free up. They love what we built. They want to be part of it long term. And they know that I'm going to take good care of them and treat them well, which is such an uncertainty when you're going to a new job. So I've also had clients that will just be like really mean on emails, like really direct, really harsh, not even giving people a chance. And their workers just don't want to work for them. And then the, ne the end of the week comes around and they're like, like, why am I not getting the results I wanted? I put this training in, I did everything. And I'm like, all right, like, let's go through a few emails that we wrote together. And I was like, if I, if I was your employer and I wrote to you like this, what would you think? What would you do? Would, would you be like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to get to work right now and crush it for him. Probably not. And just by changing the way you talk to people and learning about how to motivate people and how to, what's actually going on inside their heads will lead you to a lot of success. Yay. Yay. Um, I picked up the subtle piece here that you're passionate about what you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love hiring. I've created a, a great system for it to find awesome people. And the thing I hated about my, my Amazon business, I still don't like, um, is yes, I, I talked to my team on my Amazon business. I sold product. I made money. I was a business owner. But it, it was very isolated. And, and I also didn't do a great job of growing my brand back in the day, which is just a rookie mistake. But with FreeUp, I'm able to, first of all, provide for workers and their families and meet awesome people who are really good at what they do and have spent years developing their craft. 
and I'm able to bring clients to them and, and they're thankful for that. And then on the client side, I'm not able to help people um, pursue their dreams and their passions and get the right talent around them so they can focus on what they're good at good at um, and have success in their life. So I've been able to just meet thousands and thousands of clients and workers over the past three years and growing. Um, I mean, even people like you, like I never would have been to CEO space. So it's just kind of been an awesome experience that I'm so grateful for. And I mean, whenever you start a company, you never know what the client reaction is going to be like, but it's been overwhelmingly positive and it's great that I've been able to uh, make an influence in people's lives. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm quite impressed with your, your work. I'm going to have you think about a, a parting tip or a parting uh, wish for people that you want to leave with people. I'm going to point out that FreeUp uh, is, uh, we're in a business relationship together. I, uh, I'm a client and I'm quite impressed. I've, I've interviewed your people and you're right. They are high quality people in my my first 10 minute interview with a person went 40 minutes because the guy really cared about getting to the bottom line. What I determined there, here's, here's, here's transparency. I determined I wasn't really clear on what I needed. So what you're saying, I'm listening to, I'm going back to the drawing board and getting very clear in what I need for my business. And I have no doubt that people I've talked to um, in your, your business are people that can deliver for me because they have a stunning track record. I looked at some of their work and it's like, oh my word. So um, we have a business relationship. I'm an affiliate and there's, there's a, you know, benefit for me referring, but I do not refer anybody that I don't use and I don't stand behind. So that's, that's my number one goal in life is to have integrity through everything that I do. So Nathan, as, and I'd like to also point out that I've worked with entrepreneurs for so many years that I've created systems to help them be better customers for you, to help them understand where they're going and how to define build their whole strategy out. And it's a self-study course called the Unbound Leader. And you can find it at Leading Profitably. It's B-L-Y, Profitably. Leadingprofitably.com is my, my sales page. And if you want to sign up, you can choose your plan there. It's it's pretty intense program that dribbles out one step at a time. So if you worry about being overwhelmed, it's one step at a time. And it helps and, and Ian, you've given, I mean, Nathan, you've given us such, I talked to Ian, he's one of your people, so sorry. Um, you've given us such great things to think about. It's even helping me go back, as I already said, reframe what I'm not doing. But just because I teach this doesn't mean I'm always perfect at it. So uh, this is a good refresher. And I love this interview because it's helping me rethink some of my my leadership skills so I can do better at empowering others to help me get to the goal. And I've got such great products that I don't need to be doing this stuff. I need to be out working with people. So that's a, a huge uh, shift in my own, my own spirit. So as we're drawing this, this is a great interview. Thank you for your time. It's very useful stuff. As we're drawing this to the close, what would you like to leave people with? A tip, a thought? What would you like to leave people with? Yeah, again, it can be incredibly overwhelming. If you take one thing away from this, identify one thing that you just don't want to do anymore, that you want to still get done consistently, but that you can take it off your plate. It could be an hour or two a day, and that's a big chunk of time that you're just going to get back to focus on what you like doing or what you're good at. So if you can identify one thing, hire one worker, it could even be outsourced. It could cost you five to seven bucks an hour. And I know Justin, who um, originally got me into CEO space, he did that. He just started with that. He hired someone for an hour a day and he just got one hour of his day back. And you're going to learn to trust people again, because it's hard to mess up an hour of a day. You're going to learn that 
what you can do with that extra hour. Um, and then it's also addicting. You're going to get addicted to it, which is a good thing to get addicted to. Hiring is good. It's good for your business. It allows you to surround yourself with people that are the opposite of you. And it really lets you take your business to the next level. So if you take one thing out of this today, um, try to take one thing off your plate in the next week or so. We can take it to the top, Nathan, not less next level step at a time. We'll go all the way to the top. How's that? Sounds good. Um, yeah. So you want me to keep going? Whatever. We'll wrap up here in a minute, but, but you don't put a, put a punctuation at the end of this interview. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. So um, definitely check out, check out freeup.com with three E's. Um, you can sign up, you can mention um, Hugh's name and get $1 off your first worker forever. Um, we're also going to give a $25 credit to the first 20 people that sign up. Um, so you can hire a worker for a few hours and um, try it out free of charge. Um, you can also check out the free up blog. We post a lot of great content about hiring um, the online hiring mastermind group where a lot of people that are in it for the first time get to talk and share strategies um, and definitely check out uh, my book, free up your business. Uh, the key to bootstrapping um, businesses and take it to the next level with hiring. You got your act together, man. Um, there's also the 10, was it 10 mistakes people make in, in hiring? That's a yep. report. We have a lot of free content. I mentioned that client expectation doc. We have a blank schedule doc that you can give to your remote workers so that there's no confusion over time zones. Um, we have one time project doc. So if you have this like two or three week project, you can fill it out and it makes sure you get exactly what you want. Um, we have that ebook you mentioned, the 10 common most mistakes that you can read in 10 minutes and it'll save you a lot of time and hassle. And we're about to launch um, four or five more ebooks over the next month um, to really help people no matter where they are, if they've never hired before or they've made mistakes in the past um, or they're just too busy to um, interview more people. So we're really out there to not only provide you the great workers, which we can do, um, but also guide you along that process. So you're never alone while you're doing it. I love it. You give away so much good stuff. I, I way people uh, understand how you think and uh, um, that's great. We want to provide really good stuff for our, our listeners. This, this uh, episode is sponsored by Nonprofit Professional Performance 360 Magazine. Go to nonprofitperformance.org, pick up your leadership copy. We're going to, you'll see in future editions an article by Nathan on how to hire some of his best tips. Nathan, uh, this has been good for me. I hope it's, I'm sure it's been good for other people. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and sharing your time in this podcast. You're very welcome. One last thing I forgot. If you go to freeup.com, my calendar is right at the top. I'd love to meet with you and discuss your business one-on-one -on -one, um, and really figure out how I can help you. So um, I'm always available for clients or even if you're not ready to hire and you just want to um, discuss how to go about it or you want to hire outside FreeUp, I'm always available and open for people to book times. Yay. Yay. All right. Nathan, thank you. Thank you. Our podcast sponsor, WordSprint, can be found at wordsprint.com. It's your single source for printing, copywriting, design, and mailing. Your message must get to the right person in the right rhythm with the right message. Retaining customers and retaining donors is far less difficult than we make it and far more important that we stay in touch and let them know that we care about them. Wordsprint.com. I use Wordsprint. I suggest you look them up and try them. There's a place on the website at Wordsprint.com where you can sign up for a free consultation. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Thanks for listening today to the Orchestrating Success Podcast. 
be sure to subscribe on iTunes to stay focused on ways to redefine leadership and increase your profit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.